Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The last words from our Gospel reading are kind of like a bright capstone on what was otherwise a passage that had a lot of ambiguity and confusion and talk of sorrow and travail. I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. The passage um, full of travail, talk of not seeing Christ and the world rejoicing, but you being full of sorrow, it's a passage that largely mirrors our own earthly life, which itself is, as we all know, full of ambiguity and confusion, talk of sorrow and travail. But all of that we as Christians place beneath our life capstone of the hope of the resurrection, the belief in Christ's resurrection, and our bright faith in God's ultimate goodness and authority and triumph over all of that badness. Now, the context of the gospel reading was Jesus' long conversation with his disciples in the night in which he was betrayed. So this is Jesus sitting in the upper room on the night that he washed the disciples' feet and instituted with them his own supper. And he's having this long conversation, which John records uh, in much greater detail than any of the other gospels. And he was describing to them how they were about to not see him for a little while, as he would be taken away and crucified and put in a tomb, and how the world around them would rejoice. But then in a little while after that, they would see him again, and their joy would never be taken from them. But this passage from John 16, where actually our Gospels will come for the next two Sundays, is actually Jesus preparing his disciples for more than just the next few days of his passion and death and resurrection. He begins telling them of what it means for him to go to the Father, and how that also will be like him going away for a little while, as we know, at the end of this world's age until he comes again and we finally see him. So the next Sunday's become kind of a preparation for us for the Feast of the Ascension and Pentecost, because we stay in this chapter and we continue to hear Jesus talk about going to the Father, about the Father um, and him sending the Comforter, the Spirit. And so the, the Sundays that we're about to experience are certainly preparing us. This is a very directional time, right? Today, when we hear this passage, we hear the words of Jesus about going away for a little while and the experience of sorrow until he returns. And we, of course, apply it to ourselves and our situations here and now as not seeing him in our current life. We're in the not seeing him phase, the birth giving time. He mentions about having travail. When a woman is in labor, when she's giving birth, she has pains, pains beyond comprehension, I'm sure. But then, once the birth happens, the pains are like as nothing because of the birth of a new human into the world. But this phase that we're in now, we understand to be that travail and sorrow phase. It's also the phase, though, thankfully, that we know after just a little while, we shall see him. And make no mistake, from the perspective of eternity, this life is just a little while. Following this comes the ages of ages and the world without end when we will rejoice and that joy can never be taken away. And when, like the giving birth, the woman giving birth, we will no longer even consider the pain that led up to it because of the measure of the blessing that we will then have. 
As St. Paul says, the present sufferings of this world aren't even comparable to the joy that will be revealed in us. So that's how the gospel passage applies to us. Why the church during Eastertide reminds us of these words that Jesus spoke right as he was about to embark on his most intense suffering and, and that of the disciples, the stress, the anxiety that they were about to experience. But now on this side of Easter, right, knowing that his words proved true, we know what's in store for us after our little while. But there's another measure of time, another little while, uh, that the scriptures give us in relation to Jesus' resurrection and the experience of the disciples in this little while, and that's the time he spent with them after his resurrection. We have a few stories about this time, and there are only a precious few, one of which we heard in morning prayer this morning um, when Jesus meets the disciples on the beach. But uh, if you'll notice in the third verse of Acts chapter 1, St. Luke tells us that Jesus spent a whole 40 days with his disciples. He says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 40 days, if you know anything about the way the Bible works, is a significant number. There are several periods of 40 increments in the scriptures, and every one of them the time is an examining, scrutinizing, perspective-giving, life-changing period for the individuals or the peoples who go through it. Noah's 40 days on the ark are a purging from generations of wickedness. Israel's 40 days in the desert are a taste of the otherness of the morality and the worship and the lifestyle that Yahweh was demanding of them. And, and taking them out of an old world, preparing them to enter into a new promised land, to become a new people. Elijah's 40 days running away in the desert also uh, would eventually bring him out of the illusion of the threat of Jezebel, the reason he was running away. And Jesus' own 40 days in the desert um, of, of dealing with the temptation and fasting were for the clarifying and the solidifying of his motive and intent in his ministry, and also for the redemption of Israel's frankly failed 40 days way back in the Old Testament in Exodus. Now, the 40 days of Christ's appearance post-resurrection also proved to be a space and, and time for verifying and internalizing the new creation that had been inaugurated in his resurrection. Think about this last one, about the 40 days post-resurrection, the 40 days that we're in right now, of Jesus spending this time with his disciples and proving to them his new life, teaching them about what it means and how to move forward with this new reality and preparing them for his ascension. If you don't remember that Jesus spent this time, if you don't factor this reality into your concept of sort of the story we tell about Jesus' redemptive ministry. Um, you get sort of the miraculous resurrection, and then it sort of merges conveniently with this ascension, and then you just get this spiritualized Jesus. You get this Jesus that was raised from the dead and then is just gone, and you kind of confuse the resurrection with the ascension and it just, you know, it's no wonder that some, some Christians end up thinking that the name of the game is just to die and go to heaven because it doesn't, 
The resurrection doesn't matter. Dying and going to heaven is the end of the game, the end of the point of being a Christian, and the end of what God intends to do for us. But that's not the story. That's not what Jesus shows us. If you spend time with Jesus in these 40 days, though, and you stare at his body <laughs> like St. Thomas, and you touch him, and you handle him, and you watch him eat fish and bread, and you listen to his voice, hear his sonorous tones entering your ears, and you feel his direct presence, then this unimaginable new reality of resurrection life becomes less of a strange dream after the trauma of his crucifixion and more of an energizing preparation for the entirely altered course of your life, the life of the whole world. Now, the mission is to declare the lordship of Christ to the world now that this is the reality that you understand. He beat death itself, the disciples must have said. We've seen him. And so have they, and so have they. I mean, St. Paul tells us that over 500 people at, at some point saw him at the same time. And so after this 40-day period, imagine what that did for their confidence and, and how well they were prepared then for the Holy Spirit to come upon them so that they could go out and preach, saying, He's been exalted to heaven, but he will appear again. And when he does, he's going to put everything to death, just like he was put to death, and then bring it to a new, more glorious life, just like he was brought to a new, more glorious life. None of us are worthy of it, but if you believe in him, he will include you in that life. Like, that's what the disciples went out and preached, because the new life wasn't a disembodied reality in heaven. It was resurrection. Understanding the biblical rationale of the 40 helps us to know what we learn from this very pregnant, life-bearing time between resurrection and ascension. It was no accident that Jesus spent 40 days. This was intentional. Why did he pick 40 days to be with the disciples? So that they would understand that this period of 40 was like those others, that this was meant to, to work them toward something. All of these old periods of 40 in the desert were were a call to, to a conclusion. It was meant to transform you. It was like the 40th day working backwards, like that pressure, like the due date, you know, of giving birth. Like everything is working up to then. And so all of your preparation is for the end of that period. So Jesus chose to stay with them 40 days so that they would understand that's what this time did for them. And that's what this time does for us. From it, from this pregnant time, we learn what to do with this mystery. We learn how to live. We learn what resurrection life means. We learn not to get tangled in the fleshly lusts and passions and worries and preoccupations of this world, as St. Peter taught us in the epistle reading today, but to be honest with the world around us and that even if they want to make us their enemies and speak nasty things against us and uh, protest against uh, the things that we hold to be true and know to be real, then we answer them only with good deeds and with love and charity and humility and the joy <laughs> that comes with knowing about the resurrection life. And when they see it, maybe they'll be converted. Maybe not, but maybe. So let's use this period of 40 days to internalize as best as we can Jesus' resurrection and understand how that new eschatological 
life of new creation has already broken into this world and that we can commune with it every time we come to this altar and that we can take it with us back out into the world to transform not only our own lives but the lives of those around us. This is the mission Christ was preparing his disciples for during these 40 days and it's the mission that is now passed on to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.